The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Hi, it's Peter Williams. And once again, I thought it would be best if I did the caution message before I turned the reins over to Lord Piotra. Like always, this podcast does contain images of graphic violence and salty language, but again, this week, we touch on some very sensitive topics. There are mentions of sexual assault, incest, and suicide. And while this is a story, those are very real problems. And sometimes, people are afraid of reaching out, of getting help. Afraid they may obtain some sort of stigma from their peers or even family. Look, don't be. No one should have to endure these problems, and especially not alone. So if you're a victim of sexual assault, you should call RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, at 1-800-656-HOPE. Or if you're in a dark place and believe the only way out is suicide, please, hold on. Every day has a new story and a new chance. Instead of denying yourself a chance of seeing how your story winds up, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273 8255. I can tell you, you are loved and you are needed. So that's once again, RAIN for sexual assault at 1-800-656-HOPE and the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Lastly, before I go, remember, this podcast may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. And now to our host, Lord Piotra. Fair. Life isn't fair. How many times I hear you humans mutter something like that. But there's always someone worse off. Someone under the onslaught of life and the toll it takes on your soul. So when Aldone, creator and father of all, blesses you with an unusual path, an unusual gift. You better buckle up, because it's going to be a hell of a ride. As we will start to see this Tentacle Tuesday, as Jonah's life becomes far more complicated. With Chapter 3, 14. Jonah twitched and tossed as the nightmare gripped him. He found himself sinking into the earth, deeper and deeper, until he stood alone on a vast plain. Faces of stone lined the ground like tombstones as far as he could see. Hot, molten lava pouring out of their eyes and mouths, forming into running streams of fire in between them. Beyond them, rising up in the distance, something sitting on a monolithic throne, but struggling nevertheless to free itself from this endless waste. A creature of immeasurable size. A vat of ink-like darkness. Jonah's legs felt like jelly as it moaned and cursed, spewing chunks of charred bodies from its mouths. Those chunks taking form and then flight. Leather wings flapping, screeching into the burning sky. To Jonah's horror, it noticed him and sneered with a malignant delight. Its voice rumbled across the plains, and the flames shot up higher, torching everything they touched. Don't worry, boy. 
We haven't forgotten you. Oh, what you did! A terrifying rumbling laugh echoed from deep within it. The ground beneath him shook as billows of ash shot up on the rows of faces. They formed into reaching, clutching hands. They reminded him of the shadows in his bedroom, gripping at him as he fell back, tearing at his pajamas, tearing into his skin. Jonah let out a terrified scream. No! Falling back onto the hardwood floor of his bedroom. Or so he thought. Instead of the wood, he was looking at a dirt floor in a dark chamber. Torches cast a sickly light. From further down the hall, he could hear the sound of a small motor turning. Getting up and dusting off his pajamas, he followed the sound until he spied a spiderly-like woman sitting at a sewing table. It was talking to itself and seemed pleased by an accomplishment. Oh, what a fine specimen you make. Definitely lovely beyond belief. The machine continued to pump and thread something. In a way, it looked too rubbery to be cloth, but it was also too translucent to be rubber. He heard the creature remark, How soft and subtle you are, my dear. She looked over in Jonah's direction, but she didn't see him. Turning to see who she was talking to, he found himself looking at a cluttered, rusty shelf. On it sat a mason jar with a lone firefly. It pressed itself against the glass as if trying to push through it. The longer he looked, the more he realized, no, not a firefly, something else, something intelligent, desperate. Are you still trying to escape? <laughs> the haggish thing laughed. Trying to get your skin back? Her tone resonated with a false pity. It rose from the sewing machine and began to stretch and pull the cloth until she could step into it and pull it over herself like a glove snapping onto a hand. The skin snapped into place. Jonah fell back shocked by the person now standing before him. It walked over and picked up the mason jar, mocking the firefly by pressing its face directly to the glass. A face he knew too well. A face he loved. It was Jess. His Jess. No. How could this be? With a giggle, the pretend Jess waltzed over to where he stood. What's the matter, boy? Don't you like me wearing her skin? Don't you think I look fetching? <laughs> he wanted to run. He wanted to retch, as he could still make out some worms crawling back into her eye sockets as she pushed a rotting eyeball back into place. This time, Jonah did wake up screaming. However, he could still hear a lingering laugh, along with a whisper in his ears. Jonah... Help me. It was Jess. He whirled around so hard this time that he did really fall out of bed and onto the floor. Damn, that hurt. It didn't take long for the shadows to notice either. He felt their eyes on him instantly. He pounded the wood floor and looked at his left hand. It was shining a blazing blue, even though it was buried under a thick bandage. Why? Why was it reacting? He didn't sense anything more than the usual predatory glances of the hungry shadows that always watched him. So why? 
Could the dream have triggered it somehow? As he tried to work it out, he started to notice that the shadows had begun to move, shifting into a worm-like manner until they formed a wriggling tunnel. He could hear them sloshing and squirming in tandem. Through the wriggling vortex of shadow and flesh, he could sense a hunger as a hollow-sounding voice carried through, freezing him to where he sat. Don't worry, boy. We haven't forgotten about you. We'll be coming to see you soon. Very soon. <laughs> his alarm went off, nearly making him jump out of his pajamas. The first rays of the morning sunlight pierced his curtains and the darkness vanished with a chuckle. Very soon. <laughs> Slowly regaining his composure, he sat down at his desk and pulled open a drawer filled with returned letters and a newspaper article. It was from the Lansing Mountain Gazette. The obituary read, Jessica Collins of Rift was found dead this morning in her bedroom. Suicide believed to be the cause. That was six months ago. He thought about the last time he saw her. Her father was pressing Jess into the back seat of their car. Jonah went to run out the front door, but his father pulled him back. Jonah, don't. Her father's made it very clear. He wants you nowhere near his daughter. But dad, no buts, Jonah. His dad wasn't wrong. Mr. Collins had thrown him into a wall when he found the two of them cuddling together in Jess's living room. If his own dad hadn't intervened. Don't worry. I still have friends in the Rift PD. I can ask them to keep a tab on the family. He had tried to write her, tried to keep in touch, but he only got one response. It was a piece of scrap paper slipped in with a harsh warning from her dad. It said, Please, help me, Jess. Again, his father forbade him. Jonah, I know you think you love this girl. Dad, his father put his hand up, and maybe you do, but her father will kill you if you try to go near her. He listened in as his father called an old friend to discuss the situation. Unfortunately, by then it was too late. His father sat him down. From what my friend Derek found out, Shortly after they moved to Rift, Diane, Jess's mother, disappeared. Then, that animal preyed on Jess. They found her last night. She had hung herself in her bedroom. They found a positive pregnancy test nearby. I guess she felt that was her only means of escape. They're looking for Dean now. I'm sorry, son. He cried for days and barely ate. He blamed himself. Maybe... Maybe if he hadn't fallen in love with her. Maybe. But he did love her. And now, because of him, she was dead. He looked over the article again, hoping for an answer. A hint of the truth. That dream he had 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 shaken him to his core. Could Jess somehow, some way, be alive? Could he still save her? His mother knocked gently at his bedroom door. Jonah? Yes, Mom. Can I come in? Sure. The knob turned and she stepped into his room and sat down at the edge of his bed, her face covered in tears. What's wrong, Mom? I had an awful dream last night. Jonah stiffened. 
this thing, this woman, a spider-like creature was crawling through your window, its eyes focused on you, drooling and... And we couldn't stop it or save you. It... She started sobbing. It's okay, Mom. It was just a dream. I'm here. I'm okay. I know. I know. It's just after, well... He pulled his mother close, hugging her. He gave her a kiss on the cheek. I know, Mom. I know. He skipped school that day. His parents had given in to his pleas a few years back and allowed him to attend public school. He used that time to begin to plan his escape. He knew he couldn't stay here. That was obvious. If he did, he might be able to stop this thing. But what if it went after his parents first? What if he found them the way he had to go? Tomorrow morning, before sunrise, in the cover of darkness, that thought made him very uncomfortable. He never liked traveling at night, but if he waited and his parents found out, they'd never agree to this. Later that night, he slept fitfully again, dreaming of the looming master of the waste, dreaming of that thing wearing Jess's skin. This time, it was closer. He could recognize some of the landscape. He had to go. And he had to go now. He pulled out his backpack and stuffed it with clothes, a raincoat and some stuff he had snuck out of the kitchen. He laced his boots and a knock came at the door. No, not now. He had to get away. He didn't want them to know until after he had left. Son? It was his dad. Shit! Yeah, dad. Can you come down to the kitchen? We need to talk. He was screwed. Sure, Dad. Give me five. Sure. And Jonah? Yeah? Bring the backpack. Shit! His mind screamed. How? Why? Damn it! Yes, sir. He made his way downstairs and sat down. His mother was already up cooking breakfast. Scrambled or fried? I'm not. Son? His father nodding knowingly. Scrambled or fried? Scrambled, please. His father left the room and quickly re-entered, carrying a large red and black hiking backpack, and placed it and a pair of good hiking boots at his feet. Happy birthday. Dad? Jonah looked at him with disbelief. It was your mom's idea, he grumbled. His mom turned and placed a plate in front of him, her face stained with tears. Mom? I've known. I've known for several weeks that you were leaving she said, walking back to the stove to grab her husband a plate and herself a cup of coffee. Weeks. I didn't even know about this until two days ago. I, I, I keep having these awful dreams. This thing, this awful woman crawling through the darkness. She's... She stopped. I've put clothes, food, and she handed him a card. That has $2,000 on it, she said, and then she added... I've also put several hundred dollars of cash in your wallet. Jonah opened it in disbelief. Why? We've already lost one child to these monsters, his father said. We don't want to lose another. Jonah stared at him in disbelief. They know. About the demon? About how Reagan died? And 
as if his father was reading his thoughts. Yes, we know, and we know why your arm is like that, his father said, sipping his coffee. Your mother and I were approached a few days after the um, event. It was clear he was struggling with his emotions as he was forced to remember that night. You, of course, don't remember, he continued. That's because you slept for nearly a week after that night. His mother pulled out a tattered business card with the faded words, Cafe Solfeggio. The name on the card stirred something in Jonah, but he wasn't sure what it meant. Just a whisper of a voice. At first, we nearly slammed the door on him. But when he knew about your arm, without ever seeing you, we couldn't help but listen. He wanted us to let him raise you, his mother said. He told us he could train you and teach you about those creatures. But we had just lost Reagan and... And I couldn't let you go. Not then. She finished with a sob and buried her face into his father's arms. He did tell us about this group, cult, this uh, Cadric Order, and how they would eventually learn of you. That you had done something they believed unthinkable and that they would be determined to eliminate you before you became aware of what you are and what you're capable of. What I am? John inquired. He too was curious as he looked at his bandaged arm. The last thing he told us is that when you turn 14, you should go see him. We were originally going to take you, but your mother's dreams made us realize that they would have an easier time finding you if we went with you. When we realized that you were planning on running away, we decided to help you. It should only take you about a week to reach the cafe on foot. I say on foot because I suspect that the more people who see you, the more questions it will bring up. I've drawn you a detailed map on how to go, using mostly back roads. But I... I was going to go to Rift. I had a dream about Jessen. His father leaned over and picked him up directly out of his seat so that the two were eye to eye. Are you dense? The girl's dead. Her father, he'd kill you on sight. Stay away from Rift. Jonah was trembling. He had never seen his father so angry. He barely managed to say, Yes, sir. As the man dropped him back in his seat, they finished the meal in silence, Jonah's mind racing. His mother finally broke the silence. Jonah... I know you love Jess. We know you didn't do anything to her, but... Her father's an animal, and... His father began to bark before his mother cut him off. Honey, please, let me... He nodded, and she continued. We both suspect that this Cadric Order has something to do with what happened to Jess. While we can't prove it, I get the sense that, that you should stay away from Rift. This man who runs the cafe... Maybe he can help you, and maybe you can find out more about what happened to Jess. They finished breakfast, and Jonah put on his new boots and grimaced at the weight of the backpack. What did you pack in here? She smiled. I am not going to let you go walking back roads without food, clothing, some flint for fires, and a sleeping bag. His father handed him a hunting knife. And this, this is just in case. While I doubt it would be any good against those, those things... It will help you if you run into any trouble or wild dogs or something. Do your best to stay off the main roads and avoid people. Don't take any rides. 
if you see a car, slip into the woods if you can. He also handed him a small cell phone. Don't call us. Don't use this unless you have to. I suspect they can trace calls, and I suspect if you call us, they'll be able to find you. After several heartfelt hugs and kisses from his mom, he headed out. The sun was now rising, which gave him some relief. He wouldn't have them watching him as he slipped away. He looked closely at the map. From here, he would be able to travel along Route 7S towards Terrace. There, the road would split, and it occurred to him. Rift was only two days away from where this cafe was. He could take the M31 bus to Rift and then backtrack. He looked at his watch. It was 7.45. If he hurried, he could catch the next bus. He folded the map back up and glanced over at Jess's empty house. Jonah, please help me. The words echoed through his mind. Sorry, Dad, he thought to himself. He had to see if he could learn anything. He had to try to find out if she was really alive. And if she was, try to save her. As Jonah steps away from life with a family to journey into the unknown, we turn our focus towards another individual, one raised in darkness, raised to hate humanity in all its frailty and all its splendor. A girl twisted like a vine, not sure if she wants to climb up and out of the darkness or choke the life out of the plant it grows up upon. Please, join us once again next Tentacle Tuesday with Chapter 4, The Girl in the Flower Shop.